All right, here we go. Ready? Three, two, one. All right. So for the people listening, we met in Dubuque, Iowa, where I was obviously with the band and, and we were invited to perform. And I have to say that the, obviously the, the city is a beautiful place and very friendly people and very inviting. And I saw a bunch of murals this time that, this time that I went. And uh, it looks like the artist side of Dubuque is really coming out. Uh, how does that make you feel? Oh, Dubuque, uh, growing up here, I've always been proud of the town. But, uh, you know, especially the last 25, 30 years, it's really come to a new renaissance. And, and the arts have played a big role in that. And it is. It's great to see people expressing themselves. And, and uh, it's great to see the people who they come here like yourselves and, and enjoying it. So that's just one more thing for us to be proud of here. Do you think that that the uh, the film festival had anything to do with that because i re i remember when we went there wasn't really much there i guess obviously the art artistry of uh dubuque right but i feel like maybe bringing the film festival there and bringing so many different people into the community it kind of changed people's views is, is that am i on there or onto something yeah josh i, I would say that th there's probably some impact to that uh i couldn't place it on maybe just one single area. Uh, I understand that, you know, we have an, another organization that ran for, oh, about 10 years and it, it ran its course, but it was called Voices in the Warehouse. And they did uh, once a year, they would do about two weeks of just having artists from all over the country and even different places in the world uh, and display their art in this huge warehouse and people would come and see it. And every year they would have a different theme. And I know that a couple of members of that were actually founding members of the film festival uh, when it oh, first wow. started. So it, it's there's certainly some uh, overlap there. Yes, gotcha. Awesome. All right, so let's let's start this off uh, for the new listeners. Right, uh, give us some context of your background. Uh, well, I, as I said, I, I grew up here in, in Dubuque area. Uh, I did live outside of Dubuque a couple uh, years right after high school. I was working uh, up there in south dakota and i would say that's where if, when i look back that's where some of my sales backgrounds really started uh, because i was living in a town where i didn't know anybody and i was up there by myself and after a couple of weeks i figured i better start introducing myself to people so it did it forced me to step outside my comfort zone and i just started introducing myself and i found different ways to start conversations that were you know would lead to relationships and that's really where it started and then over time i found myself back in dubuque uh trying various jobs uh different variety of sales cars boat sales things like that nature and then i landed in the insurance industry and that's where i really blossomed uh, it took some time but uh, uh also founded a company uh, with two other fellows and we started with an agency with just the three of us and over the course of 20 some years built it up to doing over 30 million in annual revenue and and had about 200 salespeople and and uh, employees so uh, then I retired in in 2015 to spend more time with my family and, and help coach my son on the tennis team nice so you you touched on something how, how many employees did you have uh had about uh 70 to 80 employees and about uh, 120 to 140 salespeople on average. Wow. So I just hired a sales guy and, and obviously I'm getting to the point where it's getting a little bit hard for me to manage, but 
I've interviewed people, uh, actually millennials. So millennials, what, what are your thoughts on millennials? I worked with a few already. Some are super driven and some just like, eh, they don't. But I think that's, <laughs> that's like that with, with everybody, right? <laughs> it, you, you're spot on, Josh. And, and I can tell you that I love millennials. I, I, I love all ages. But the nice thing about millennials is they do kind of fall into those two groups. They're, they're, they're either really driven and focused and want to, you know, move forward, or they are a little more laid back. And so the nice thing is it doesn't take you very long to figure out which category that they fall into. Um, but the ones that, that fall into the first category, those are the ones that they're, they're people you want to hang on to and you want to really tap into what their goals are and what they want to achieve in life and find ways to have your organization be the vehicle to help them get there. I think that's a that's a great concept. Uh, a lot of people like uh, a lot of businesses like Apple, for example, they're really putting their their employees first or they're, they're giving them the opportunity to explore instead of like, what can you do for my company? What can you do for me? It's instead, it's like, what can I do for you and make you happy? That way you're you're in a happy environment and you produce more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, repeating myself a little bit there, but I would say one of my strengths, because I was in charge of the sales, that, that was my primary role with the organization. And I would get pretty intimately involved in people's lives. I would find out, uh, visiting with them, what, what do they really want out of life? Because people aren't, they don't want to just have a house and take two weeks vacation a year and raise a family. I mean, that, that, that's on the surface. Yes. You know, people, that's generally what people want. But when you really start to tap into people's minds and their hearts, you find out that they have certain passions that they really want to pursue. And it almost always has to do with helping other people. And so I would find that out and then tap into that and find out, okay, well, what can you do here that will help you get to where you really want to go in life. And then they start to look at their day-to-day activities that they need to do in sales as a way to get to their ultimate path in life. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. Sales is hard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My, my industry, uh, when social media came around and people figured out that they could actually make money using social media for businesses, it... it it was a double-edged sword because now there's this new medium where people can make a ton of money on social media, right? And nobody really knew how to use it. So then the sales guys come in like me that know how to use it. And when I go to a business owner, I try to pitch it. They're like, well, I know it works, but why am I going to pay for it if it's free? Or there's so many nuances in, in social media to make it work right. A lot of business owners really don't believe in it or don't want to pay for it. So when I go in, it's just a hard sale for me. Like it's it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. <laughs> well, it, I can respond to that, Josh. Um, I fall into the category of someone who used to be that more, if you could say, naysayer about social media. Uh, you know, I'm past the millennial stage. I'm in the baby boomer stage, and you probably find that a lot of people in my age group um, and older traditionally looked at social media as 
a place where, okay, I can send photos of my kids or my grandkids. I can, you know, tell you what trip we're on or, you know, very, very more on the, the personal side, not on the business side. And so when that was our really only exposure to it, and frankly, some of us being a little bit technically challenged, uh, (laughs) it wasn't easy for people to say, say, okay, hey, social media, you need to be on it. We're like, why? You know, I mean, what, what's the point? And I, I myself became a convert. Um, I got involved actually in a social media business, uh, helping not to, to do the social media, but just to help set the business up. And the things that I learned, uh, I really grew to have a serious appreciation for the impact that uh, social media has on business, but it has to be done by someone who knows what they're doing. Just because somebody's uh, under 30 and has a Facebook account or Twitter account or <laughs> Instagram or whatever, doesn't mean that they're, they're an expert at it. Um, so any more than I'm an expert at uh, playing golf. <laughs> which we got to play when I was over there, which was, it was a beautiful day, man. <laughs> but anyways, so, okay. So I was in Dominican Republic doing some uh, humanitarian work years back. And I, I got to spend time with the team and, and the pastor and his family in their home. They didn't have much. They cooked spaghetti for breakfast, which was, was completely different for me, right? And they seemed like they were the happiest people in the world, despite being in one of the most uh, polluted places on the planet. And it was one of the most poorest places, too. Is it an American mentality just to have more, more, more? Because, like, for, for me, example, right, I, I get a, uh, a new client on and I want more. I Like, the automatic thing is, all okay, right, I want we'll go to the next one, the next one. Even in life, like, with, with material stuff or, or with homes or cars, a lot of people have that mentality where it's like, I want I want it all. I want it all. Is that just an American mentality or, or how does I, that work? I wouldn't say that it's just an American mentality. I, I, I think that when, and this is just my opinion, when you're surrounded, you know, you take Dominican Republic, when you're surrounded by poverty, when you're surrounded by uh, a lack of people that are thriving as far as, you know, those material things, and but what they're doing is they're thriving uh, because of relationships. They're they're thriving because of their family unit or their friends and and such. And they're able to get up every day and they do some work and and they're happy with that. If that's what you know, well then that's what you traditionally aspire to. Um, the fact that here in America we've been exposed for so many years for opportunity and success and and uh, acquiring. Uh, whether it's uh, experiences or acquiring items, you know, like you said, the house, the cars or whatnot, uh, there is a tendency to want to stay at that same level with other people. But uh, I think it, there, there's a, there seems to be a, a calling going out there right now. You hear about the term minimalist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's it's resonating with some people that, hey, I still want to be successful. I still want to uh, have that nice house. I still want to have the vehicle that I want to drive and such and be able to go on trips and have experiences and whatnot. But there are some things of clutter maybe that I don't need on my on my desk in my life. And so if I eliminate that, I can spend more time doing the things that I want to do. All right. I think that's a, this is a huge trend going on. A lot of people are starting to get rid of a lot of the clutter, like you said, and just 
leaning, living that, that clean, clear life where, all right, this is what I like to do. I'm not making a ton of money, but I'm happy. Yeah. It's Josh. <coughs> it's it, it. I'm finding, I, I find myself even thinking a lot about it recently is, is uh, removing distractions and distractions aren't always just um, items, you know, around the house or, or in, in your life, but it's distractions of maybe uh, uh, time spent. Uh, do I need to spend time with this person or that person? Do I need to spend time with uh, this organization or that organization? Um, I don't need to be all things to all people. And and so just finding where I'm happy, where I'm getting fulfillment, and where I'm able to give back to the people that matter to me. I think that's a, another thing that social media has exposed is that everybody's taking pictures while they're traveling, so they want to travel more. They're putting a picture on social media that isn't necessarily their life. So they're, they're living at a standard that isn't necessarily them. And they have to keep that stature up all the time. And I, I think it's kind of, it's, it's not really the true image of what people are. It's just their social media image. I would agree. <laughs> I, 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 I myself, again, uh, I didn't even have a Facebook account until probably four years ago, and I had it private. I only used it so that I could follow other businesses um, just to see how, how it was working. And I didn't make it an active uh, public, you know, where people could friend me and such until just October of last year. Oh, wow. And, and you know, it's it's helped me to reconnect with some people. So I've had some some enjoyment from that. But even myself, I don't post very much. But when I do, it's usually something about the tennis team when they had, you know, I don't always post about the losses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I post about the wins, you know, I post right. about the successes. Um, and so, so yeah, people will probably perceive that, you know, hey, our tennis team never loses a match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, on, on, the, on the subject of uh, failure, so I think a ton of uh, people are afraid of rejection, and especially in business. And if you're the salesman, I think in, in the beginning stages, you're afraid, like, all right, I, I don't want to get rejected. I, a lot of people get really feelings about that, and they just, you know, I've been rejected too many times. It's just maybe sales isn't for me. But sales is pretty much 99 rejection percent rejection isn't it well in those feelings that that you have josh i had um i very clearly I, just to give you a little deeper background on my my insurance background i started out as a door-to-door -door insurance salesman so i was out cold calling i would leave my home on a monday morning and travel a couple hours away and stay in a community and then i would just go out and knock on doors and make sales well you can imagine the level of rejection that i had to deal with uh particularly at the beginning and one of the things that really helped me there was a couple of things one was when i was being rejected i'm doing air quotes now uh sorry but uh is that i felt like if they said no because i was trying to set up an appointment just to visit with somebody all right because that's where it all starts we don't start by selling the product. We start by introducing ourselves and just seeing if this person is willing to spend a little time to hear what we have to say. Is that fair to say in most sales? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. And, but I remember at the beginning of my career, uh, very early on, I was going and introducing myself with this mindset of, you know, Hey, I need to make a sale. And so 
if I didn't get the appointment, that rejection felt dramatically bigger to me because I felt like I was losing a sale. And what I started doing is I started asking myself, well, what am I really trying to accomplish here when I'm first introducing myself? I just want an appointment. I don't know whether they're going to need the product that I'm going to be offering, whether they can afford it, whether they're going to be eligible, uh, whether there's a need for it. I don't know all of that. All I know is I need to at least visit with them and and offer them the opportunity to let me at least explain it and then decide. And so I started approaching it with the mindset of, hey, I just want an appointment. That's all. Right. You know, I'm not asking you to marry me. I just want to see if you want to go out for coffee. <laughs> right. <And> yeah. <laughs> what I found is, one, I was more relaxed because I wasn't putting all the weight on the outcome of a sale or no sale. It was just, do I get an appointment or not? And I found that I was, one, getting less rejection. And secondly, the rejection that I did get, it didn't hurt that much because all I was losing was the opportunity to visit with somebody. I wasn't losing the sale. Does that make right. sense? No, it does. It does. Definitely does. Especially when, when a lot of people just want whatever you're selling just to work. Like they don't care how it works or it, they don't even care or want to know how it works. They just want to know how it works, especially in, in the business sense, like for, for my industry, like a lot of business owners, they just want it to work, period. They don't yeah. care how it works. They just want it to work. But then on the other side, there's also those clients that want to know every little detail and, and everything. So it's just a fine balance, like especially now when I go into meetings, I, I've been into quite a bit now and I test things out with, with uh, in meetings. So I'll, I'll say certain things and I've become very comfortable in meetings because I, I know what I'm talking about. And I think that helps out a lot too. Like if you actually know what you're selling, <laughs> I know mean, there's a lot of people that go into meetings that have no idea what they're talking about or just trying to BS it, right? But I think knowing your industry very intimately helps you uh, helps you at a certain level relax, where you can have that conversation, that one-on-one conversation, where like, you know, you're not a snake salesman going in there trying to sell them something that they don't need, like what I'm selling actually works. I have data to back it up. So having that backup really allows me just to sit back, have a conversation and find out what the problems are and how I can help. And now I'll even be like, well, maybe I can't help you. Maybe this isn't the industry that is right for you. So I'll tell them right then there's like, I I can't help you, but I can find somebody that can. Have you ever done anything like that? Uh, absolutely, Josh. Uh, you know, you you really hit on a couple things there, and that is one. You know, being confident and competent on the product um, or the service that you're offering, and you know, kind of go off a little bit here. But people that get in sales so many times, because there's so many opportunities for people to be in sales, whether it's at a department store, a car dealership, insurance, you know, social media, you name it. I mean, there's tons of things out there. And a lot of people approach being a salesperson as, well, hey, I might as well give it a try. You know, I know other people who do it and they don't put the same effort and time into honing their craft. Uh, If, you know, if, if, if people put in the same effort to become a doctor, an attorney, or any other highly professional level, uh, highly 
rewarding as far as financially as well. If they put that minimal effort in, they'd flunk out of school right away, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, people who get into sales have to understand that because it, it, it is a very, very rewarding job. You're helping people uh, solve their problems, but it also can be financially very rewarding. And you have to put that same kind of mentality, that effort. And a lot of people do. They get into sales and, oh, if it doesn't work for me, I haven't you know, got it figured out in the first three months. Well, I guess it's not for me. No. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I'm pretty confident that uh, people who are starting law school, people that are starting, you know, their medical school or whatever, they weren't very competent uh, at the beginning either. Um, but solving the problem, that's that is that's a really really big thing and it's really getting into the knowing what the real problem is because that's that's what sales is is it's it's not the solution that you're providing it's finding out what the problem is first because if they don't have a problem that you can you can solve it doesn't matter what your solution is right no i completely agree and i think uh also there's there's to add on to that there's also life events that will happen that will you know literally light a fire under you and make you become better at your at your craft or whatever it is for example uh, when i was i was pushed out of my company last year i was like well i can choose to go back to my father's business or i can go tackle this on my own and at that time you know i was i was doing pretty good but that mentality is like, I'm, I'm driven. I want more. I'm going to go after it. So I started cold calling. I started going to people that I worked with before or had relationships with. And I just kept those relationships really good. And then uh, obviously more opportunities came up and people allowed me to get into the door. I started getting more business and I just never looked back. I, I didn't let that one thing stop me. Like, okay, I can stop here, go back to what I was used to or try this out and venture off on my own. I think that's, it's a super important, super important to do that type of style. But, but let me ask you this, what are the most important skills that you think are important for sales? <laughs> that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I would say, I mean, in, in think things that, that you have total control over, and that is some very fundamental things like smiling, uh, being enthusiastic, uh, being being personable. I know these sound very obvious, but especially the smiling thing. It's amazing to me how many people who are in any type of sales are not really smiling. Uh, you know, they're 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 just throwing out facts and data and and uh, costs and you know, statistics and whatnot, and they're not really making a connection with the person. And people, whether we like it or not, it's a reality. We all judge a book by its cover. And the person that's smiling, and I don't mean just a grin, I'm talking about a big toothy smile, you know, just really relaxed and showing brightness in your eyes and, and inviting. Those are the people that we're all attracted to, that we want to spend time with. Um, right. not the person that is kind of stoic and, and, and stern in their facial expression and everything. That's, that's a big part of it because people, especially when you're meeting them for the first time, they're making a decision on whether they want to spend any time with us or not. 
And I found that just having an inviting smile has opened up a lot of doors for me. Uh, so that's, that's one really, really critical aspect, I think. And I know it sounds super simplistic, but I challenge people uh, to look at themselves in the mirror before they introduce themselves to somebody or walk into a room. Or, um, and, and if you have a big smile, and, and the nice thing is you can do it at the grocery store. You know, that person that's standing there doing the checkout, uh, they see, I don't know how many hundreds, if not thousands of people throughout the day, and they're just, you know, bringing things up. Look at them, smile, and <clears throat> maybe comment to them on something that, you know, maybe they have a necklace or there's something unique about their hair or whatever, and, and compliment them on it sincerely. And you'd be amazed. They look up at you and you've got a big smile. All of a sudden, you just brighten their day. So that's something you can practice on a day-to-day -day basis. Oh, that's that's a good tip. <laughs> yeah, uh, and 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 Josh, we've met uh, more than one occasion, so you, you've got that part down already. <laughs> uh, and but uh, but also, uh, you know, some other things that are important is remind yourself that you're solving a real problem. Okay, and because I think a lot of people look at their their jobs. Uh, especially in sales is, you know, hey, I'm just, I'm selling an item, I'm selling a service, you know, to make a commission or, you know, to make some money or whatever. And they're not really spending enough energy looking at how they're really impacting people. And if I can, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I was speaking uh, oh, this a couple years ago, I recall, uh, I was asked at, to, to do some speaking at uh, an employment agency. It's a national one. Um, and locally here, they, they wanted me to talk to them. And one of the things that I asked them, I said, so what do you guys really do? And they talk about, well, we, you know, we help people get jobs. You know, we, we help employers find employees and we help, you know, uh, employees find employers. And I was like, is that all you do? And they're like, well, that's what we do. And I, I said, think about this for a moment. I says, every one of us, I would suspect, I know, I know I fall into this category and you just described your own situation. Every one of us has been out of work at some point in our life. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah. And that being unemployed, uh, is especially when it was unexpected. Okay. <laughs> um, that's a very scary moment in your life and it's filled with anxiety and fear and that trickles down into your not just yourself but it trickles down to your mate you know your spouse your kids your friends your family um it's a very scary point and so i was explaining this to people i says think about what you're doing when you help someone find a job all right and you help place them in the right place you're building up their confidence you're helping alleviate anxiety you're helping them feel proud again. Uh, you're helping them to, to really feel like, hey, I'm having an impact and I'm actually worthy as a person again. Because being unemployed, we have a tendency to feel unworthy. And so you're not just getting somebody a job. I mean, you're changing their lives. And you're not only helping them, you're helping their relationship with their spouse the the because the anxiety is not there that the money is is able to you know they're not as tight on the budget and everything you're helping the kids you don't you have no idea the impact that you're having on people's lives and when i explain you, that 
you could see people's like, huh, the light bulb was going off. I said, that's what you have to be thinking about when you're talking to an employee or an employer. That because you're also helping that organization when you find the right employee. Does that make sense? No, it definitely does. You you went pretty deep there, and I, I've actually never heard it like that. But that is a really good explanation, <laughs> and because this doesn't affect one person. Oh, it doesn't, and 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 that's just one example. You know, you you know, you can use any item, any service, if you really dig deep on what problem you're solving. It doesn't just stop at that service or that that product. Um, it Heck, even if I'm selling, you know, if I was working at, uh, you know, a department store, I was selling uh, clothes, all right? We all know how it feels when we put on something new. Just makes us stand a little taller, feel a little better about ourselves, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, that's what a person should be thinking about, that they're not just making the sale. I, I completely agree. Uh, so let me ask you this. You, you're retired, right? Well, semi. I, uh, semi yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did. I, I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I, I could retire in 2015. And I my son was a freshman in high school at the time. And I was uh, uh, helping coach the tennis team. And and but after a, a few months, it was I was getting a little itchy and scratchy because, uh, you know, I was doing some volunteer work and helping on a couple nonprofit boards and such. But but I just still had this desire to help other people um, succeed because that's really what I did. You know, I didn't look at when I especially once I was no longer selling and I was spending my time helping other people to learn how to sell. I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about how I'm helping them to become successful. So uh, I had some different companies ask me to work. Short story is, is I started doing some consulting. And so I still do some consulting for a variety of different companies. I have a couple regular gigs, and then I'll do some one-offs here and there. Nice. So before you were retired, how did you do the whole family time balance? Because I struggle with that a ton. Like I'm, I, I just started doing this type of industry a few years back. But coming from working in a fast food restaurant, like, I know what that's like. And then I know what I'm doing now. I know what this life is like. So I'm super driven. But at the same time, you know, I got little children. I got a family. And everybody needs time. A business is like a little baby that needs time as well. It's like, it's, it's so overwhelming how, like, my industry, I can work from home which isn't necessarily always a good thing because I bring home work with me and it's around me all the time. Social media is 24 seven. How did you balance that? <laughs> Josh, that is a great question. I recall, you know, I was in my mid twenties when I was first doing this, the, the sales where I was traveling and uh, you know, I was gone four days a week. Monday through Thursday, and then I would spend Friday doing some paperwork, getting caught up. Um, and frankly, I was pretty tired on most Fridays um, from, from, from the work. And I didn't get a lot of time with my family at first. And I really struggled with that same question, you know, and plus I wasn't spending any time golfing, um, you know, <laughs> spending any time socially. It was impacting, um, you know, probably my health a little bit. 
Um, and, and I don't, not in a bad way. It's just, I just, and I recall like looking at, you know, if you picture a pie chart, okay. And most of us fall into these categories. We want to dedicate time to our family. We want to dedicate time to our social. That's our friends and, and such. We want to dedicate time to our career, to our health. Um, and in most people, there's some spiritual aspect as well. And I remember sitting down trying to figure out, okay, how do I break this down where I'm giving equal time to each of these slices of the pie? And it was very frustrating for me. I tried to do it. And after a few months, it was like, it's just not possible. And I can't remember where I had read this. It was in a book somewhere. I wish I could, you know, recall what it was. So I can't take credit for this, but the, the message that in one of the chapters was that it's depending on the stage of your life, where you're at, you're going to have to have larger slices of the pie for some items and thinner slices for other items, depending on where you're at in life. And, you know, I realized, well, Hey, you know, when I'm in my twenties, my thirties, my forties, those are my career building years. Those are the times, especially my 20s, 30s, and, and, and early 40s, that's the time that I really got to put more emphasis on my career. Um, and so I'm probably not going to have as much social time, but I'll still have some. You know, I'm not cutting the, that slice out altogether. It's just going to be a little less. Um, I'm not going to have as much time with my friends during that time. But if I dedicate more time then it allows me which it did you know when I was 49 I was fortunate enough like I said to because of the sacrifices I made earlier I was able to then spend that time and I think of the time that I've been able to spend as particularly with my youngest son and now my, we have grandkids because we have two older sons as well the time that I'm able to spend with them and the memories that I've been able to make because I've been able to dedicate a lot bigger slice of the pie to that today because of making it a smaller slice you know in the past does that make sense no it definitely does it definitely does yeah. i guess one of the one of the things i struggle with quite a bit is like uh, especially with my friends like the friends i have i uh went to high school with so we we're literally still friends we hang out all the time but they i guess they kind of noticed a change in my mentality where it's like you know i got i got things to do i have a family now so i can't be you know getting drunk till four in the morning anymore or stuff like that you know like my life changed dramatically and I sometimes feel like, like they feel like, you know, well, you're not the same guy you're conceited or you're, you're just <laughs> what well, it, but it's really not like I, I, my mentality shifted because I want to do all these things and I understand I can't do them while staying awake till four in the morning. <laughs> so I had to make that shift and I had to make it okay for me to be able to change my mentality if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. I mean, I, anybody that, that finds success in their life, um, there's going to be people, I, I have the same thing. I have friends uh, that I, from high school and even back to grade school, I'm still friends with, and we haven't taken the same paths in life, but we can still maintain friends. Uh, but it is, it's not unusual for people to see if somebody else is doing more in their life or attempting to do more than maybe what they're doing, um, instead of them wanting to come up to, to your level, for lack of a better term, they'd rather 
pull us down to theirs because yeah. it takes it takes less effort to pull somebody down than it does to to push them up and it's it's not it's that's it's it's pretty normal for that to happen but what i would say having had experienced similar uh experience that you had with that is just be yourself continue to go on your path um don't shut those people out but you can't brag or talk about the things that you're doing just keep asking about them you know okay. and, and and what they're what's making them happy you know ask about their kids um people who are successful especially early on there is a tendency where we could brag a little bit spend a little bit too much time talking about ourselves and frankly nobody really cares about us <laughs> uh, that <laughs> you know? is true I mean, what, what it, well, for, well and i say it this way i mean the most the, the most interesting person you know is you the most interesting person <laughs> i know is me the most interesting person my friend knows is themselves i mean that's that's normal so allow people to be interesting to you does that make sense no that definitely does it and you'll maintain does. those relationships yeah there'll be bumps and bruises along the way but the reality is is the ones that especially when you're showing them that you care about them as a person and you're not talking about yourself or your successes and whatnot um if they decide that they're not interested in that maybe it's just time to move on but i don't think you'll find that happen yeah, and I got I got a great group of friends, and I think they they they're supportive, but they're supportive in their own way. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, Eric, I'd like to thank you very much. I won't take up too much of your time anymore, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Is there anything else you want to touch on that we might have missed? Uh, you know, I th I think we covered a lot. I th I think uh, that what we talked about earlier, just really focus on if you're a salesperson focus on what your real goals are, what you really want to accomplish, because people don't want to make money just so that they can pay a mortgage or pay their utilities or, you know, whatever, uh, car payment or what. They're, they're, they're working towards something bigger in life. So always keep that on the forefront because that's what gets you up in the morning. That's what gets you excited. That's what gets you to go and knock on that next door and take a little bit of abuse if, if needed. Um, so, and if you're overseeing salespeople, make sure you tap into their goals, because if you don't, if all it is, is, you know, what you're talking about earlier, what can you do for me today? Um, that gets old real fast and people need to know that, uh, well, you've heard that, you know, if you, how does that go? If you, uh, nobody cares how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Yeah. The same, that, that applies here as well. All right, Eric, once again, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing all your knowledge about all your years of experience, man. Well, Josh, I, I always enjoy visiting with you, and uh, I know we're, we're several miles apart uh, from Iowa down to, to southern Texas, but uh, always look forward to talking to you and, and look forward to seeing you uh, uh, during the film festival week in the future. All right, brother. I will talk to you soon. Have a all great right. day. Thanks, Josh.